I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Oh, good morning, Ragers. I just woke up. I haven't even had coffee yet. Max has been up longer than me and didn't even think of making a pot of coffee. How dare he? No, we're getting a new refrigerator, so it's a little bit chaotic in the house this morning trying to get everything ready. Uh, But I was so behind this week on everything because I was trying to get this Patreon episode up for you all. And within that, almost forgot about the mini episode entirely. I was initially going to record it last night, but I didn't get done editing the Patreon episode until close to 10. I hadn't had dinner yet. I was just, I was so tired. I was running on four hours of sleep. So I'm coming at you with my morning voice, (laughs) which will probably warm up as the episode goes on. But speaking of Patreon, for those of you who haven't checked it out yet, the Angry Feminist Book Club has four episodes available now. There are two episodes on Barracoon, the story of The Last Black Cargo by Zora Neale Hurston, and then I just finished the two episodes on Women Talking by Miriam Taves. And this next month, I'm very, very excited because I am going to be covering my dear friend India Oxenberg's audiobook, Still Learning. 
It is only available on Audible right now, though I did text her last night and I was like, girl, we need to figure out a way to like actually make this into a physical book because I think it's really, really great. But I listened to that book back in 2020 and that was what made me feel such a connection to her. I just felt like we were so similar in so many ways. And even though I've never been in a cult, I've been in a lot of, you know, I guess manipulative, toxic, abusive situations. And I really resonated with a lot of what she had to say. And also just like who she is as a person. She's so close to her mom and loves ice cream. And I'm like, yo, we're the same person. We should be friends. And now three years later, we're actually friends and like working together. And it's great. So I really wanted to talk about their story because I think that the topic of psychological manipulation and groupthink is all something that is not super broadly known and discussed. And it's really easy to judge people who have been through certain experiences rather than taking the opportunity to understand how people can be coerced and manipulated into becoming people that they don't recognize. And I think that it's it's truly a really, really amazing story. So I'm excited to cover the book. I'm going to have India on for another interview where I'm going to ask her some of your questions. So if you want to join all that fun, go to patreon.com slash angry neighborhood feminist or click on the link in the show notes or the link in the bio on the Instagram and it'll take you there and you can join the angry feminist book club. And then just a reminder, you can also get these episodes ad-free at the $8 tier as well on Patreon. So if you don't want to have any interruptions, that's a great way to go about it. It's a wonderful way to support me and the show. And now before I get into the news topics, I do have a life update and I am so excited. I am going to be putting in my two-week notice at my stupid fucking retail job on Monday. I cannot wait. I can't wait to have more time to devote to the projects that mean the most to me, especially this show. I'm so excited that I'm actually going to have like time on the weekend to maybe see people get some work done. I don't know. It's going to be great. I'm I'm so excited to be able to have a little bit more time to focus on me and the things that I care about the most. So I'm, I'm really excited for all of that. And I wanted to share it with you because that also means you're going to be dealing with a less chaotic Madigan who isn't rushing and late and trying to figure out how to get the best possible content out as fast as possible. Um, so I'm really excited to be able to do more of that. I really want to get more people as guests on the show. Like I'm just, I'm so excited. So Stay tuned for all of that. Thank you so much, as always, for all of your love and support that you give me. I truly have the best listeners in the entire world. I cannot even begin to tell you. So I didn't actually transcribe any of these notes this week. I just wrote them in my notebook. So if you hear any papers rustling, that is why. Um, I'm going to be a little bit all over the place, but you know what? I'm going to make this work. The biggest topic in the news, I feel like, this week was Justin Pearson and Justin Jones being expelled from the House in Tennessee for participating in protests following the school shooting at the Covenant School that I spoke about last week on the mini episode. And as a little bit of an overview before I go into the story in detail, the thing that 
really stood out to me the most was that there were three people, they were the Tennessee three that participated. It was Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and then another woman named Gloria Johnson, who was like a middle-aged white woman. And the three of them, there was a vote whether or not to expel them. And Gloria's failed by one vote. So she was not expelled. And the two black men that participated in these protests were expelled. And I think that, I don't know if that's being discussed enough. The fact that it's so blatantly obvious that their peers, their colleagues, voted differently for the three of them when all three of them were participating in the same behaviors. So it's glaringly obvious that this is racism, but it's also fascism that we are dealing with here. And let's get into a little bit about what happened. On March 30th, protesters had packed the Tennessee Capitol to demand gun safety laws following the March 27th school shooting in the state. On April 6th, the Republicans in the Tennessee State House of Representatives voted to expel Justin Jones and Justin Pearson for standing with their constituents and protesting in demand of gun safety laws. In his address outside the Capitol, Justin Pearson read the names of those killed in the shooting at the Covenant School and referenced another mass shooting that occurred Monday, April 3rd at a bank in Louisville, Kentucky, in which five were killed and eight were wounded. This is actually going to be my next topic in this episode, so stay tuned for more of that. Pearson stated, Our law enforcement, which many people praise, are being forced to go to war when they are just going to work. Kids are told to go to fortresses instead of go to school and places of learning. We're told to go to church, carrying the status quo's thoughts and prayers, while we must be in fear that somebody will walk in with an assault weapon. House Speaker Cameron Sexton said that the three would face consequences for their actions. When they were removed from the House floor, Pearson addressed the crowd, saying, You can't expel hope. You can't expel justice. You can't expel our voice. And you sure can't expel our fight. We look forward to continuing this fight. I got some of my notes from a CNN opinion piece that Justin Pearson wrote, and I really loved reading about this in his own words. So I did want to share some of what I read in that article as well. Pearson and Jones have now thankfully been reinstated to their positions. The stated reason that Pearson and Jones were expelled, according to Pearson himself, is because the three breached decorum by peacefully walking side by side to the well of the House chamber to acknowledge rampant gun violence that has victimized and traumatized grieving children and families across our state and across the nation, he said. He goes on to say, If decorum was breached, it was by the heavy-handed Republican supermajority in the Tennessee House, which denied us the chance to speak during regular order, cut off our microphones, later disabled our voting machines, and revoked our access to the building. My colleagues and I exercised our First Amendment rights and joined chants from the floor during a recess hastily called by House Speaker Cameron Sexton in a further attempt to silence us and our constituents. We followed the directive of Article 2, Section 26 of the state constitution to oppose policies injurious to the people who elected us. As a result, we were put on display in that very house to stand trial for our alleged offenses. In the opinion piece for CNN, Pearson said that most Americans care about equality and progress, with two-thirds of Americans, including four out of ten Republicans, supporting the same kind of common-sense gun safety laws as the Tennessee Three. He says... 
The Republican legislator who authored the expulsion resolution against me stood to belittle me and to minimize the deeply serious concerns of my constituents and the thousands of protesters present. He told me that he and his white conservative colleagues were enraged that I had had the audacity to walk unbidden to the front of the chamber and acknowledge the grieving families. He did so while upholding the status quo of a majority that denied equal rights to people who look like me. And that's the thing. Legislators don't need permission to walk to the front of the House. There are no sanctions against peaceful protest while in recess. He says, we will continue to challenge the old South and bring about a renewed South, one that is fair and just and democratic for black, brown, white, indigenous, transgender, poor, immigrant, for all people. And we will win because we are on the right side of history. Hell yes, we are. I want to read a few more of the things that the Tennessee Three stated while on the House floor. And the first one is by Representative Justin Jones. He said, We called for you all to ban assault weapons, and you respond with an assault on democracy. This is why the nation is watching you today. And I say to my colleagues on the other side of the aisle that no matter what you vote, you have the votes. You will not be victorious because there are generations of young people who see what is going on. There are young people that, as you try to beat us down, they are rising up to take back the state from extreme forces that have sought to take away the democratic process. And that's always been, I feel like, something that I always hold really near and dear to my heart because, yes, I want to be here to make as much progress as I can while I'm here, but I'm also... I feel like doing it so that the next generation can pick up where I leave off and make things even better than what I've had. Well, right now we're living in absolute shit. So hopefully the next generation can be a little bit more loving, can be seeking for more equality. And yeah, that's always been my hope as well. Here's a little bit more from Justin Pearson. We committed no crime. We did nothing but come to this floor to say that we need to listen to the constituents who are asking for us to end gun violence. We need to listen to the constituents who are asking for us, as they chanted, to do something. And that is not a crime. In fact, that is our responsibility, our obligation, and I would even say it's our calling. Buck, yes, it is definitely a calling. And lastly, Representative Gloria Johnson said this. The younger generation, I am so proud of them. I love them. I love working with them, and I trust that they are going to make a change. They connect with their voters, and they connect with their voters by speaking directly to them. And they did that during a recess, and I was there with them. I stood with them because our hearts were the same. Our hearts were there for our constituents who deeply care for the children that begged us to do something to protect them. What happened to Justin Pearson and Justin Jones was fascism. And I feel like when you call something fascism, it can be a little bit confusing. And it's definitely something that I know I still need to be educated on a little bit more. But according to an Instagram page that I often will cite on the mini news episodes, so dot informed on Instagram, I love them. They're amazing. They wrote out some characteristics of fascism that I'm going to read out because I feel like it could be really helpful. So here they are. Powerful and continuing nationalism, disdain for the recognition of human rights, identification of enemies slash scapegoats as a unifying cause, supremacy of the military, rampant sexism, controlled mass media, obsession with national security, religion and government are intertwined, corporate power is protected, labor power is suppressed, 
disdain for intellectuals and the arts, obsession with crime and punishment, rampant cronyism and corruption, and fraudulent elections. Sound familiar? All right, let's take a quick break for some ads, and then we will be back with the rest of the news. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I think I have a few more minutes until our new refrigerator is going to be here and all hell is breaking loose. So let's get into the second topic of the news episode. And that is, unfortunately, another mass shooting that occurred in Louisville, Kentucky, that I mentioned during the first topic. On Monday morning, a gunman opened fire inside of the Old National Bank in downtown Louisville. Five were killed and eight were injured, including two responding officers. The shooter was a 25-year-old male employee of the bank who was fatally shot by officers as well. The shooter had set himself up in an ambush position to target police officers. And to me, and I think I get into this in a little bit in the notes as well, I really think about this quite often because I feel like it happens a lot that the shooter ends up getting fatally shot by officers at the scene. And I'm wondering if, you know, for a lot of these mass shooters, if suicide is also the goal here, not that it's appropriate to take down other people with you. But it is an interesting trend that I think I've noticed, especially within the last few mass shootings. I feel like it's been pretty rare to actually take a person into custody and hold them accountable. It's becoming more and more common that they're just killed at the scene. After the first shots were fired, the killer began live streaming on Instagram until he was fatally shot. Thankfully, Instagram took that video down right away. 
He was shot five minutes after the police arrived. So thankfully, there was a very quick response, but not quick enough to save the lives of five people. And those victims were Josh Barrick, who is 40, Deanna Eckert, 57, Tommy Elliott, 63, Juliana Farmer, 45, and Jim Tutt, 64. They were all employees of the bank. The shooter had been working at the bank for two years as well as interning for a summer before being hired. Prior to the shooting, he messaged a friend telling them he was suicidal and wanted to kill as many people in the bank as he could. I can't imagine being the friend on the other side of those text messages or calls and being like, what do I do to get this person to not do it, to stop? That just seems like the most polarizing situation to be in as the person on the other end of this conversation. The shooter also made some kind of, I guess, like darker posts online for the most part, but some of it just seems kind of normal stuff to me. But the last one is pretty dark. The last post that the shooter made said, they won't listen to our words or protests. Let's see if they hear this. He had legally bought an AR-15 rifle six days before the shooting. My heart is with all of the victims and the victims' families and everyone else that was in the bank that day that had to suffer such terrible trauma and loss. And I was thinking about this. You know, there are some really traumatic experiences that people go through in life where it's like, gosh, no one would ever understand what I've been through. Who could ever understand something so traumatizing? And It's enraging for me to think that these victims and their families will probably have an easier time finding other people who can empathize with their situation than I would think. I almost feel very, very lucky that I've never been involved in a situation like that. And I think because I talk about these mass shootings so often on this show, It's something that I'm really, really scared of. I'm very, very scared of being in public and having somebody decide that that is the moment that they're going to take everybody down. I literally think about it almost every time I go into a gas station for some reason. I always get really nervous. And I also get really, really anxious at work when I was at my retail job. I think I told you all this story when it happened, but it was like almost a year ago now. It was like last May. There was this woman who was definitely on meth, so she was like strong and ballsy and didn't give a fuck, but she had it out for one of my assistant managers and like kept coming in and then eventually she came in and like came behind our counter, which is like invading our space. Like you don't do that. She's pushing everyone aside. I like kind of like bob out of the way and then book it upstairs to where our break room is because I'm like, I my flight instinct is kicking in and I don't want to be anywhere near this chaos. I don't know what this person is capable of. And it was so terrifying to me. And they wanted to fucking open up the store again after that. And all of us are like crying and so upset. We're like, no, I want to go home. Like, I don't feel okay. And when I had to go back, I was so scared. I was so nervous. I felt so on edge, even though we then finally got security 24-7 instead of just like, every once in a while. But 
I really wanted to have my phone on me so that I could be able to contact someone or the police if needed. And they wouldn't let me do that because I wasn't at the level I was working on my promotion for floor supervisor, but I wasn't a supervisor yet. So I couldn't have my phone on the floor. And I was like, go fuck yourselves. Um, I'm not sitting on my phone scrolling. I want it for safety purposes, but whatever. And it's happened multiple times. Something actually happened this past week, which was one of my very last straws. There was a woman who was acting very violently in the store. I luckily wasn't there, but the security guard had her down in a headlock. And the next day when I was working, she was pounding on the glass and on the door and screaming. So we had to call the cops and we couldn't open the store. And when they went to open the door to have my boss go out and like officially ban her from the store, I just went and locked myself in the bathroom because I was like, I don't want, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't know what this person is capable of. I don't know where their headspace is. And I don't want to get myself in danger. And I was speaking to a younger coworker about this who's in her early 20s. And the situation that had happened when I wasn't there, she said that she, you know, like ran away at first and then really felt bad and wanted to come back downstairs because everybody else was kind of like standing up to this person and she felt really guilty. And I was like, no, that's their choice. That's they they decided to behave that way in in that situation and you decided to behave another way and you're doing what's best for you. And honestly, I think that that's the smarter decision. I do not like it when a lot of my coworkers will like start chasing people down who are stealing and th- it's like it's stupid. Your life is not worth a t-shirt or some shoes and it's not worth fighting these people and making the situation worse. I don't know. It's it's so, so scary to me. And it is something that is on my mind far too frequently. And I feel like a lot of you could probably resonate with that as well. I feel like it's something that has become more and more of a fear in our lives. And especially with school shootings. I mean, my little ones are the most precious to me. They truly are. And I think about them going to school every single day and I read more and more about these school shootings and especially like they're so young, but these shootings happen in elementary schools now so frequently too. And it's like, what are we supposed to do? And I just don't feel like the rights idea of arming our teachers and adding more police and security, I just don't know if that's, I just don't know if that's going to do it. We have to cut it off at the source. I just don't understand why we can't get our fucking shit together. Because, you know, Australia is always used as a great example. They had like one mass school shooting or something and then completely reformed their gun laws. And it hasn't been a problem ever since. I just, I really don't understand it. Because I know that the Republicans and the right are just as sad I mean, I think they are. I hope that they would still be as upset and sad over these situations as I am. But for some reason, they can't see the most obvious fucking answer to this problem. And that's so infuriating to me. I just feel like I'm bashing my head against a wall. And I'm so fucking sick of talking about these mass shootings. Not because I don't think they're important to talk about, but because I have literally nothing left to give. I have... 
I have no new feelings or information for you. It's the same thing being recycled over and over and over again. And something drastically needs to change, which is why I'm so thankful to the Justins, Pearson and Jones and for Gloria Johnson and for everyone in Tennessee who showed up and protested at the Capitol and made their voices heard. There needs to be a bigger movement. I don't I don't know what's going to make this stop, but something needs to happen in order for things to change. And I was thinking about 9-11 and how, you know, before I was nine years old, I mean, people people who drove me to the airport could walk me all the way to the gate until I got on the plane. Security was like practically non-existent. You didn't have to go through TSA. I don't I don't think there was any sort of checks. I don't even I don't really remember because I was so young. But like if we can make such drastic changes to something as fundamental as air travel in our country, why aren't we reacting to other tragedies in the same way and adjusting in the same manner? I just don't understand. There is absolutely no reason why assault rifles need to be legal for the everyday citizen. That is absolute bullshit to me. I truly do not understand. Okay, I do have one more thing that I want to talk about because I did a little spiel in a reel on Instagram about this, but I also wanted to talk about it a little bit more in depth. And that is the collaboration between Bud Light and the trans influencer and queen of my heart, Dylan Mulvaney. I love her so much. If you guys don't follow her, like do it. They're absolutely amazing. She just did this huge like Broadway 365 days of being a girl thing. And her story is just so moving to me. She is so beautiful and positive, like not just on the outside, but like on the inside. They just radiate such sunshine, in my opinion. And I love her videos so much. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long one. I don't know if I have time to watch it. And then I start watching a few seconds and I get so into it that I'm like, Dylan, tell me more. (laughs) I just, oh, I love her so much. And I was so excited to see that she was working with a beer company like Bud Light. Though I am really judging her taste in beer. I know that you don't really get to like choose who decides to sponsor you all the time. But like Bud Light, come on, you can do better than that. So Bud Light and their parent company, Anheuser-Busch, are grappling with polarization over its paid partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. Since the ads emerged on April 1st, the companies have been closed-mouthed without comment on the controversy while... People on the right are losing their absolute shit. There are videos of people such as Kid Rock shooting cases of Bud Light. Okay, great. Good choice. And then also country singers John Rich and Travis Tritt. Travis Tritt? Oh, God, what a name. Publicly denounced the brand. Oh, gosh. So you're just outing yourself as being a Bud Light lover, and now you're saying you hate whatever, whatever. Even assholes like Howard Stern and Joe fucking Rogan think this whole controversy is ridiculous. I dislike Joe Rogan so much that I would almost go to say that I hate the man. I truly, truly don't like him at all. But I appreciate the fact that on his podcast, you know, he's got the video feature. He was seen drinking a Bud Light and kind of just being like, who fucking cares? And fucking thank you, because so many 
men listen and watch that show that I think it's really important for them to see somebody else just being like, let people be what, you know, who they are, let them do their thing, you know, not your circus, not your monkeys, drink your fucking Bud Light, who gives a shit? Nike also has a paid sponsorship with Dylan where she is sporting some adorable sports bras and shorts and leggings and things like that. And this has also received backlash because closed-minded people believe that, quote-unquote, real women should be selling sports bras and things like that. But my God, I can't think of a better person to be talking about sportswear and bras than someone who is newly becoming a woman and who is being so honest and vulnerable about it because as you're taking hormones and going through your transition like I'm sure Dylan is growing breasts and that's something that she has to deal with for the first time in her life so for Nike to be able to step forward and be like hey we're gonna help you with literal support for your workouts and here are your first sports bras even though they're probably not her first but you know what I mean like I think that that's actually like a really fucking cool thing and closed-minded people aren't able to look past their short-sighted beliefs of gender and seeing what a really cool thing this actually is. And and above all else, I already said this, but why do you care? Like, why do you care what other companies and other people are doing? It doesn't affect you in your daily life at all. The only time that I would say that people and companies affect us is like, for example, the whole Kanye West situation extreme anti-Semitism, like that, that is violent. And that truly is something that we need to rally against. A trans person drinking Bud Light is not. Nike posted in support of their decision to have Dylan as one of their sponsors, saying, be kind, be inclusive. Hate speech, bullying, and other behaviors that are not in the spirit of diverse and inclusive community will be deleted. Not only has Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch not commented on the controversy, but they apparently haven't posted anything on any of their socials since April 1st, despite events like the Masters Tournament and the NCAA Men's Basketball Final. And why are you being such cowards? Like, stand behind your decision. I was seeing some articles saying that they were blindsided, that like a lower level person just like went ahead and let Dylan do this thing. But it's like, no, you have to go through so many proper channels. And I feel like that would be a different controversy if it was almost kind of like they went behind the upper levels back. I don't know. I think that that all kind of just seems like a red herring to me. But I don't understand why the companies won't just be like, yeah, fuck off. This is what we did. Others are not so quiet. Megan Kelly even suggested that the brands should have hired Caitlyn Jenner because she is, quote, genuinely dysphoric. Now, this sent me to the fucking moon. Not all trans people are at the same place in their transition. Now, obviously, I'm not trans. I'm not non-binary. I don't have any personal experience. This is just something that I'm, I'm very passionate about learning about, so I watch a lot of videos and do a lot of reading and things like that. So this is only from my, uh, from my education on the topic, not from personal experience, but not all trans people want to be at the same place of transition or feel 
the need to. I know that there are a lot of trans people who consider themselves to be trans women or trans men, but still like to play with the gender binary because that's just where we're at. You know, you don't need to find somebody who passes all the time to represent the trans community. In fact, I think that there needs to be a vast array of people in different stages in their transitions and in different stages of acceptance within their gender to be able to show other people how to be able to go through that path themselves. So to be so cruel as to insinuate that maybe Caitlyn Jenner is more of a woman than Dylan Mulvaney is absolutely ridiculous. But also, fuck Caitlyn Jenner. Dylan spoke with Rosie O'Donnell on her podcast because every fucking celebrity has a podcast now. And she said, I think it comes back to the fact that these people, they don't understand me and anything that I do or say somehow gets taken out of context and is used against me. It's so sad because everything I try to put out is positive. It's trying to connect with others that maybe don't understand me. It's to make a kid feel seen. And this just makes me so sad because, like, I receive a small amount of vitriol online for having a feminist podcast and a feminist Instagram page. But to feel like you can't say or do anything right and to constantly have such negativity coming into your social media. I really hope at this point that Dylan has an assistant that can like go through all the comments for her and things like that so that she doesn't have to see these things or that, you know, she'll see an indicator of it being hate and just delete it and move on. But it is truly such a damaging thing. And I can't imagine being in a position where you just want to be yourself and do your own thing for the first time in your life, yet you still feel like you can't do or say anything right. And people are always going to be judgmental of you. And it just, oh, it just makes me want to give her such a big hug and just say you are perfect the way you are. And you're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to say the wrong thing. Just because you're sharing your experience with the world and you're becoming an advocate doesn't mean that you don't have room for being human. And other people are not always going to like you. I just learned recently that my favorite quote that I always thought was by Dr. Seuss is probably not a quote from Dr. Seuss, but I still think it's one of the most important things that I could ever remind myself and one of the most important things that I love to teach every single kid that I take care of. And that is, be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. If I had a nickel for every time I said that on this show, I would be a billionaire, I'm sure. But I can never say it too much because I think that that is so true. If there is someone in your life who is treating you badly for being the person that you are, they do not matter. And the people who truly love you in your life and the people that you should have around you are not going to mind when you are who you are. I just want every single person in this world to be surrounded with nothing but love and sunshine and puppy kisses. And I am devastated by so much of the news this week, but also, I guess, especially with especially with knowing that the Tennessee three, well, two of them were reinstated and knowing that, you know, Dylan Mulvaney now is pop more popular than ever. Everyone's talking about her. You know, I think, you know, to flip it onto the positive side, 
there just needs to be more representation. And I think that both of those stories really show what good representation looks like and what it looks like to defend yourself, defend what you believe in, and yeah, being radically, authentically you. All right, that is all the news topics that I have for you today. If there's anything that you want me to cover next week, please feel free to DM me on Angry Neighborhood Feminist Instagram page or email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. I do have to admit, I am better at responding on Instagram than I am on emails because I can't stand the notification bubble on Instagram, but on my email for some reason, it's not a big deal and I can let it slide. Um, But yeah, so keep that in mind. I always love to hear your suggestions so I can give you the stuff that you really want to listen to. Another reminder, I won't give you the whole thing again, but if you want to join the Angry Feminist Book Club, I am truly, truly enjoying it. Please go to patreon.com slash angry neighborhood feminist and join over there. And also, it's been a while again since I've had another review. I feel like whenever I say that, another review comes up within like the time that I'm recording. So maybe by saying it more will appear. But if you love the show and you haven't yet left a review, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show just to kind of get people to get the urge to press play on an episode. And if you listen on Spotify, you can also rate the show over there. I really wish they had reviews because I think that hearing other people's recommendations and thoughts really do help. And it's just so beneficial to me. So thank you so, so much for all of your love and support. And I have so many exciting ideas coming up, especially now that I'm going to have more time to devote to this show. So stay tuned for some of those coming up very, very shortly. Again, thank you all so much for all of your love and support and kindness. I truly, truly have the best listeners in the world. I love you all so, so much. And that is all I have for you today. So with all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.